As strange as it may sound to us today, sodas or tonics were originally made to be medicine of all things. Hey guys, and welcome to the Poster Boy Podcast. Here, I share not only my personal journey as an entrepreneur, but also my extensive research on the fascinating world of business. We will dive deep into the industry, from uncovering hidden gems to exploring little-known facts about the biggest names in the field, and provide you with insights and knowledge that you probably never knew before. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Hey guys, so today's podcast is just a good story that you've probably never heard about one of the biggest names in the soft drink industry, Dr. Pepper. Now, it's pretty hard to imagine a time without carbonated drinks and sodas filling our fridges and lining the shelves at the supermarkets, especially considering sales in 2022 of pop, as it's called in the North, was $42 billion. But the truth is, sodas are a relatively new thing, and they weren't originally made to be a refreshing drink on a hot day. As strange as it may sound to us today, sodas, or tonics, were originally made to be medicine of all things. In the 1800s, pharmacies all around the United States began peddling their cure-all tonic waters to millions of people all across the country, and some of them we actually still know of and drink today. Coca-Cola was one of those that survived and was marketed as many things at first, like a pick-me-up and a vitality tonic before it became just a soft drink. But some of those other creative tonics circling around at the time claimed to do things like cure a bad stomach, clear skin, and even help out in the bedroom. By the mid-1880s, it wasn't unusual to walk into a pharmacy and find a soda fountain where patrons could get a bottle or a glass of a soft drink to help cure them of their ailments. And that's exactly what happened in Waco, Texas, where in 1885, the oldest carbonated soft drink company in American history got its humble beginnings. The pharmacy in question was Morrison's Old Corner Drugstore, and the drink is one you're more than likely to have heard about and probably even tasted before, Dr. Pepper. Employed at Morrison's Old Corner Drugstore was a Brooklyn-born pharmacist named Charles Alderton. When Charles wasn't busy serving the customers at the pharmacy, he liked to hang around the soda fountain coming up with new and refreshing syrups to add to it. And because of those syrups, the pharmacy used to smell like perfumes and fruits and other fragrances, and that gave Charles an idea. He wanted to take the smell of the pharmacy and put it in a syrup that he could then add to the soda fountain. So after a lot of trial and error, Charles had done just that. And he showed his new creation to the pharmacy owner, Wade Morrison. Now, Wade liked the drink, and he agreed to add it to the soda fountain as a new tonic. Some of the claims about this early version of the drink were that it helped cure stomach ailments and pains and increased vitality and vigor, whatever that means. But whether the tonic actually did that or just tasted nice, patrons at the pharmacy had a try of the new soda, and they loved it. They'd first order a drink by asking Charles or Wade to pour them what was called a shoot of Waco after Waco, Texas, not a shot, where the pharmacy was. But as sales of the soft drink started to pick up speed, Wade began to realize that he was probably onto something big. So he bought the recipe from Charles and decided to found his own carbonated drinks company, all to sell his now relatively successful new tonic, Dr. Pepper. Now, where he got the name for the drink is a bit of a mystery. Some sources say it came from a trend that was popular at the time to put doctor in the names of tonics and medicines to make them seem more trustworthy. But there's another version of how it all went down. 
So one story goes that Wade Morrison got his first job working for a Virginian doctor, Charles Pepper. Maybe Wade had only wanted to pay his respects to the man who had given him his start. Maybe it was all just a little homage. But I think there's more to the story. According to some versions, Dr. Charles Pepper had a daughter named Marianne, or Minnie for short. Rumor has it that Wade was in love with Minnie, and he either named his new drink after her father to sweeten him up before Wade asked him permission to marry Minnie, or because Charles had already agreed to that match. The version of the story is backed up by some consensus records that still exist from the time, but not entirely. To make it fit, you still have to read between the lines of those rather dry consensus records and put two and two together. There are no records of Wade and Minnie actually getting married, and the main weight behind this version comes from Dr. Charles Pepper's and Wade Morrison's names appearing on pages that are closely together in consensus records. Because these records were made by consensus workers back in the day, going door-to-door to physically write everything down, they usually came back at the end of the day with the names and details of people who physically live close together. So the only thing that these records somewhat definitively prove is that Charles and Wade were probably neighbors. Now, the official story from Dr. Pepper themselves, the company that still exists today and is owned by Snapple, is that Wade dedicated the drink to Dr. Charles Pepper as the father of the girl he once loved, not the girl Wade Morrison ended up marrying, and not that the girl was actually Minnie Pepper. Whatever the truth is, Dr. Pepper was a huge success, especially after it was introduced to millions of people at the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair, a fair that has brought so many treats like hot dog rolls, hamburger buns, and the world-famous ice cream cone. But who can deny that there's something sweet and something special about a man dedicating his new business venture to the father of the girl he's trying to marry? Maybe it's actually the truth and it helped persuade Charles Pepper but maybe all it is is just a good story. Either way, the lack of records in this case is both a blessing and a curse. Because we don't know which one actually happened, we can literally choose which story that we want to be the truth. So Dr. Pepper's name is the perfect example of why a company's name is so important. They used the word doctor to create trust. You see, that definitely in the 1800s made a huge impact in their sales. Now, for me, in my early years as an entrepreneur, I actually didn't think that this had any merit at all. My first company name was Midwest Sports Photos. Now, I want you to take a moment and think of all the restrictions that that name provided me. Firstly, it limited our locations as today we operate all over the U.S. and Mexico. Like, could you imagine using the name Midwest Sports Photos in California or Florida or even Mexico City? Secondly, a big part of our business today involves award banners, design services, frames, and other things. If I were to introduce myself as being with Midwest Sports Photos, do you think anyone would believe that I had any idea as to what I was talking about with these other services? At the end of the day, it's important to not rush your business name. It should be simple, easy to spell, and make sense of what you do. And if you ever plan to sell your business, and remember, I always advise people to build anything as if you're going to sell it someday, then please keep your personal name out of the company name. Now, join me next week as we discuss the gigantic business behind online education and where I see the world of education headed. Thanks for joining me and have a great day.